0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet. It's time to anchor down.
1: Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast presented by our friends at Jody Jones Dentistry. I'm your host, Chris Lee, our podcast part of the 440 Sports Network. Today's show will be with Chip Frederick. We'll unwind Vanderbilt's baseball season, which came to a very abrupt end in the Nashville Regional, an 8-7 to loss to Oregon on Saturday night, followed by a 2-1 loss to Xavier on Sunday. Anyway, Chip and I will rewind the regional, talk about the state of Vanderbilt baseball in general. Just hit, I think, on a lot of topics that are on people's mind. And we'll probably have some more content with Chip and also with Luke Wyatt as we assess the baseball program and where it is. But anyway, I think you'll like today's episode of the show. Lots of good stuff in there. So without further delay, thank you so much for listening. And here's our episode with Chip Frederick. Chip Frederick joins me. It is Monday morning. Vanderbilt has fallen to Xavier on Sunday after falling to Oregon. Late Saturday night, season now over. We got a lot of ground to cover. Thanks for joining me today.
0: Uh, Thanks, Chris. Good to be on with you again. We uh, did not have a pod last week, so this is kind of a lot to unwrap here. And, and, um, you know, I, I think in the press conference last night, Tim Corbin said there's a lot to lot to go over with his team and analyzing what happened over the past uh, year, the last six months, as he mentioned, it's a go, go, go starting in August. It's an everyday thing. And then the Blake, the brakes get slammed on as he, we've heard him, if we said, we've heard him once, he said it, you know, half a dozen times about how the emotions of when a season ends, it's like a car crash or you slam it on the brakes at hundred miles an hour and everything kind of stops and everybody goes on their own way and goes to summer ball and gets drafted and in this day and age some go to the transfer portal. So a lot to to digest here. Uh it's a little hard to do when it's twenty four hours after losing a game to Xavier, a team which uh and talking candidly with you and some friends. I don't know if Xavier is better than Mississippi State or Ole Miss uh if they were in this league. Um, and um the thrill of winning the Southeastern conference tournament and then, and having what happened in this regional, uh, the thrill of everybody with smiles on their faces on Friday night with the victory over Illinois state. And then what happened over the last two games, it's just, I, I would say, you know, we've been doing this. I don't know how long we've been doing this, Chris, um, five, six, seven years, uh, doing this podcast. Um, you having me on and, and, following the game as, as a, an alum and a former player and doing some radio and TV work for Vanderbilt. When I got out uh, with Willie Donick, we were doing the radio and did some TV work over the years. So I have a pretty good pulse of what goes on with this team. And I cannot remember, I cannot recall a team that was more up and down, inconsistent um I hate using the word bipolar, but it, it it's sort of in a medical sense because that's a horrible thing to have, but using it as a sense of descriptive of up and down and one week and segments of the season where you're undefeated for you know twelve games, eleven twelve games, and then you're in skids and it just it, it was a really up and down, inconsistent season. I think when we when you get take a look uh, at this situation, maybe in a week or two, or maybe a month, and really look at what they accomplished and the talent and the possibly some inadequacies they had at um, some hitting and some misfortune they had uh, with some fielding and some and and especially in the regional. I think it probably will make a little bit more sense, but uh, 24 hours after losing as they did this regional, it's it's a tough pill to swallow. And I think I could tell from the from Tim Corbin's um, comments last night and the players' demeanor after the game, it, it's this is gonna this one's gonna stick for a long time, and it's just gonna have to take some self analysis of the program, where they are, where they need to go, how they are in this nil portal world and you and i have talked about this man if i could summarize what you and i've talked about over the last eight nine ten weeks we've mentioned talked about a lot the state of athletics and where it's going and and um i think there's some decisions that need to be made with this program going forward with a lot of programs not just vanderbilt but how are they gonna uh combat these and adapt um and uh moving forward but um disappointing finish um since we talked, though, SEC Tournament Championship, but this one's going to sting for a while.
1: Yeah, I've got five or six key topics I want to go over, and the tricky part is deciding how many to do with you and how many to do with Luke when I do that one with him later this week. I might just do both with each of you to get your takes, but this has felt like since mid season where you sort of saw – you could f- sort of find whatever you wanted to see with this team, and whoever was right was going to yell about it. We were right at the end of the season. I'm always going to sort of lean on stats and things like that because I think otherwise it gets into feeling. And you know, I, I could I could feel like a tomato can that doesn't necessarily make me one, but. I like stats so much because they take a lot of stuff out of it. They've been consistently ranked top 10 in the computers all year, not just RPI, but the ones I like that incorporate margin of victory and who you played and stuff like that. But you use the word inconsistent, and I think that was sort of the key to the season. One of the two keys to this season was that you, when you score 20 runs one game and one game the next – You're averaging ten and a half runs, uh, but but you're probably going to be one and one. And that was just kind of how their season went. It felt like the offense came and burst like that, and it felt like when it wasn't there, it really wasn't there. That was the fear of everybody all along, and eventually that was one of the two reasons that their season collapsed yesterday. The other being that the way it was built, that also collapsed with the pitching injuries. We'll get into that in a minute, but – that that side certainly was doing a lot of shouting about I, I was right yesterday when this ended the way it did and and, and I'm not saying that it was wrong um but but certainly the, the the doomsdayers that had that as the take of what this team is that that's what ended up winning out over the weekend
0: yeah you know the, the you mentioned the stats you know the Mississippi State free for all down in Starkville you know it was worth one win it was worth one victory just as much as a one nothing victory when it's all said right. and done. I know it inflates the statistics, but you know, this, um, I think when you summarize the season um, in today's world of college baseball, some people look at hits and how many hits they got. This team was plagued all season long by not having the big hit. Well, Chip, inning, they did they
1: um, didn't have a big power bat. They had right, one right. and he went cold the last month of the season. And I think in that time it seemed like he led the country in long foul balls that would have been home runs if they were, you know, five yeah, feet right. in another direction. And that's that's just how it went. And when that went bad, that killed a lot of their margin for error.
0: Yeah, I mean that you, you look at uh where this team was in home categories in today's world again, uh, I think the ball's pretty live uh the bats are pretty live again um but you know doubles triples extra base hits bases loaded how many times did we leave the bases loaded in key key stretches and big games
1: twice on saturday
0: yeah just runners in scoring position i I think that if you if you said give me three bullet points about this team and why they didn't get it out of the region or why they had the year they had and i'm not again we're talking about a team that won the conference championship and won 42 games but still, as as we sit here on June the 5th and they're getting their things out of the locker instead of talking about a super regional, I think I remember a podcast eight, nine weeks ago and probably uh, knock I didn't knock on wood, but we talked about not being plagued by the injury bug. And then you had the situation where you had a first-round pitcher at a high school um Andrew Ducanich who threw six and a third innings this year and he certainly could have been used and he got hurt. And then you had the situation with Hunter Owen and he got hurt. And you had the situation, you know, as you go on down the line, of course, we know, you know, the big injury which with Carter Holton and the inconsistency of having him on the line. I and mean, it just it just steamrolled to where I think the pitching, even with those injuries. I think the pitching was good enough. I mean, Loboki yesterday pitched good enough to win. Yeah. I mean, he pitched a a really good uh, baseball game, and but there was no back back up behind him. I think it's the injuries got the pitching staff. I think, number two, the inability to have a power bat. Um, as you mentioned, you know, I think maybe maybe people figured, in a sense, they figured out. Uh, Shrek. Towards the end of the season, I'm not sure. Maybe the scouting reports caught him, caught up with him. But the inability to have a big bat and the complete failure of being able to get big innings with runners on scoring position. I don't know how many times you would hear the stats if you were listening on the radio of, you know, Vanderbilt's now two for 15 and runners in scoring position. It just get every game, every key game. I thought this team had the comfort of having a, a a good schedule at the beginning of the year, favorable schedule, I might add. But when it ran up against the Floridas and the Tennessees and the power staff, I think just the hitting was not being able to be matched. And uh, those were, if you just, again, 30,000-foot view, 24 hours after they fall in the regional and are eliminated, I think those three things, um, for for a person who – uh, a head coach who preaches and lives on consistency, this team was, became wildly inconsistent. You know, I, I, I thought that uh, in their performance, I should add not, I, you know, I think they did the little things he kept talking about in, the, in the lead up to the regional, how doing the little things on a daily basis is what his recipe was of why this team was successful. Um, and I agree with that. I could totally see that, but just on a talent, talent level of, of, performing and being able to move runners over hit the ball the opposite way it's kind of like a repeat of what we talked about when this team went to the college world series and lost against mississippi state that we talked about on that podcast i remember the day after was how mississippi state appeared to be the team that hit the ball the other way would would you know take walks when they could hit by pitches uh this team seemed like they were a fly ball machine the last 48 hours where balls were lazily flying out to the track um, by some of their key players and, and trying to maybe do too much or lifting the ball. And I don't know if it's a hitting technique or philosophy, but that seemed to be a failure. But I will say this, that and I don't know you and I haven't talked about this since they won the SEC tournament, but it was almost as if, and I thought this, I didn't think this yesterday. I thought this while Tim Corbin was on the air with two of the players, and I forget that maybe it was Shrek and someone else. I'm not sure. It was on the SEC network, and they were on the network after the game, and they were interviewing him. And I almost sense Tim's demeanor was a little bit of shock that they pulled that off. Um, it was different. I don't know. I, he was excited, but I think the look on his face as they dig the dog pile of the team was I almost got the sense at the time of can we do this again? Are we going? To, yeah. You know, this is a remarkable stretch. We won how many games and how many days? Five and five days, whatever. But I think, because I'm a pretty good reader of people, and the, and just and I almost got the feeling that you wonder, like, man, we just did this, and this is pretty incredible. But I have a feeling next week we're going to have to do it again to 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 win a regional. Uh, did you get yeah. that imp- – I, I just felt like – Well, I, I, I you, didn't you, get to no.
1: see as much of the SEC. I saw about 60% of the SEC tournament. I, we traveled to Colorado for my niece's graduations, spent a few days there. I, I was watching here and there on my phone, and then we went to Mexico. Uh, and, boy, you've, you've really got to trick a lot of things to watch any college baseball down there. <laughs> Uh, okay. I mean, ESPN is blacked out in Mexico. The American part, like you can't, and even on the plane back, I had trouble watching really? games. It really wasn't until I got in the states that I could stream from from ESPN. So I, I'm not the guy to. I, I don't know. I I, can't, I did some research and they they black you out. I, I thought, well, who cares? Okay. I'll just connect to my own cable system online. That didn't work. Yeah. what I had to do was wind up. Disconnecting from the internet and streaming data, which is a slow, right. uh, b choppy, and 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 c you you run out of your daily allowance after a while. So that was that was a real headache trying to follow things from down there. Not not to mention doing family stuff, right? And and getting the hey you are going to quit working and spend some time with us stuff. Um, not not to be critical, but you know <laughs> that's the way that's it. the way it goes. And and I, and I get it. I I told him I said look this is a a key time for. For me of the year, this is one of my probably four or five busiest weeks, and frankly, most enjoyable. So it just was a the the trip was bad timing for me. I'm not I'm not complaining, but that's just you know two things I would have loved to do, and I had to do them simultaneously. But anyway, right. um, all that to say is there, there's going to be a lot of stuff I missed from the SEC tournament. But yeah, I mean, I I did not think that I don't think that it ever crossed my mind before last week that they would win that event i mean i just didn't oh you're talking about the tournament yeah and i thought once they get to florida again it's gonna that's when it's the wheels are going to come off and then they kind of didn't maybe florida was trying to stay fresh for for this week i don't know but i mean i i I, he was not the only one surprised that they were able to run the table down there
0: yeah and he just kind of got the feeling that um it was just a reality of setting in that, like, gosh, we just expended a lot of energy down here, and we burned a lot of arms. And emotionally, um, we, you know, burn a lot of fuel down here to come home, home and, and to see them. And you would think, well, there's going to be some carryover, and goodness, right now, with the, the victory of Illinois State, you're going to – I keep saying Illinois starts. Excuse me, Eastern yeah. Illinois beg your pardon, there's a lot of directional up there, directional schools. Um, but the victory against Eastern Illinois, you just kind of thought, you know, this thing's going to continue to roll, but it it didn't. And it just completely stopped to, to the point where, you know, R.J. Austin, who was the MVP of the tournament as a freshman, and had a really unfortunate weekend uh, for him. And, and just, you, just for an example, and – Uh, You you just rolled through where you thought in a scenario that Hunter Owen with, you know, pitching on a pitch countdown in Hoover, that he was going to come out and he just was not sharp um, in his four innings of work as he normally is, uh, giving up four on runs and and six hits. You thought Ryan Ginther with being out for uh, not pitching in Hoover and hadn't pitched in two weeks. Well, the opposite happened. He gave up four on runs, which. And in a game of inches, in a game of almost, you, you know, when if he gets that two-strike pitch, if he gets the, the, the two-strike pitch to be a, a strike, like if you watch the LSU series and watch that guy zone behind the plate, that would have been a strike if that guy's behind the dish. And then the next guy hits a bases uh, clearing double. And it seemed like that just right then and there, it seemed to take the emotion out of the game. So... I don't know. That, that was just my observation looking back that um, I even told my kids. I said, boy, if they sure sure did burn a lot of gas here down in Hoover and to have to replicate it, knowing that they were on a short leash with some guys, knowing that they had guys hurt, the way they did it and some of their inadequacies that they have in the hitting department of moving guys over and, and, and running in scoring position, you just almost wondered if if it was when when they got, beat by Oregon the way they did if that just didn't do them in. And I think they were asked last night, I think Enrique Bradfield said his quote was, I think that maybe had something to do with it, that uh, emotionally it just took its toll of it when they lost that game eight to seven.
1: Which was weird because I was at the press conference Saturday night after they lost to Oregon. And, again, I pay a lot of attention to how he talks about his team. Last year, he would use the word uncertainty a lot, and that's kind of where the season ended. He liked this team from the beginning. He felt, it felt to me like he felt like it was mature, that it had chemistry, and it felt like he had a lot of confidence in it all along. And I was watching a guy at the press conference Saturday night that, in my mind, I'm thinking, he thinks they're going to come back and win this thing. Uh, but, but they didn't.
0: Yeah, I didn't watch that press conference so the Oregon game, I, I failed to watch it. Uh usually I do, I watch those, so I you know, but it's some teams have that ability and he talked about that. Some teams have the ability to you know, they look at it and they say, you know, well, we're gonna run the table on this thing and win three games in a row. It is such a huge advantage when you're in the position like Oregon was last night, when you're sitting there waiting and you kind of can relax all day on Sunday and you don't have the pressure of waiting through rain or lightning delays i guess it was um and uh, it just it's such an advantage to win that game because you are really in and, and i even made this observation you know and, and not to discredit the championship that they won in the tournament in in hoover um but they won five games in five days chris against teams six seven and eight pitchers to, in a in a way, most of them. There were some that frontline, they jumped on the Florida starter. But for the most part, you're playing an event that you're familiar with. Maybe your opponents are not really have a, a lot of want to 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 expend a lot of energy energy and strategy wise of pitchers. Then when you lose that game like you did against Oregon, now you're facing and they just ran into a buzzsaw, I think, with the with the with the Xavier pitcher that came in and had to face their closer. Because I think we saw eventually what Worgan did with them and disposed them, and winning the tournament was fairly yeah, easy. They ran out uh, of pitching and,
1: at that point. Uh, yeah. at, at the Vandy game, I believe.
0: Sure. Yeah. So you know it. it um, you know Hoskins for for Xavier just pitched seven innings strong and kept them within striking distance. And you felt like as the game went on and on. As long as they stayed close, it, it was going to be uh, an advantage to them. And you were just waiting. I kept telling my sons, you know, we have to get four or five runs here and open this thing up, and I think it'll be over. And we never could do it. When you score, when you hit, have four hits against a team like Xavier, and I'm not saying Xavier's horrible by any means, but I don't think they're a quality team that Vanderbilt, you know, they're a team that Vanderbilt usually handles in a reach. Yeah, and, and a team that ends up 39 and 24 or 39 25 actually um, overall, but it, it just they stayed close. And teams like that, when you do that, uh, you have the Schultz kid who played at Ensworth, who went two for four, got two big hits to keep innings alive for them. And emotionally, you know, he wanted I'm sure he wanted to do well for, against a hometown team. Um, probably didn't didn't get recruited by, and uh, just the little intangibles that they had going for them. Uh, it was like a morgue going in there in that ninth inning after the lightning delay. All the Vanderbilt fans going into their seats, and the and the Xavier fans doing cheers and stuff. You just felt the tightness, and I didn't like the. I really didn't like our body language going into the ninth when we came back. It just we looked tight, uh, frustrated. Um, didn't have that um, instinct that we were going to win that game, and it and it showed.
1: We'll get into the hitting aspect of it uh, because, boy, um, Twitter and my message board were lighting Mac- Mike Baxter on fire, which has kind of been a common theme for two years now. But a couple things before that, just back to the big picture of the season. And, look, I'm not I'm not telling Vanderbilt fans they shouldn't have concerns, they shouldn't be disappointed. Uh, because, look, this is a program that really for – for that stretch between 2019 and 2021, they they won a national title, came within a game of winning another, and who knows what what happened in between in 2020. As I've said all along, I, I love their chances. You know, from that point to now, not getting out of two regionals, and and then if you have the layer of of the whys in the context of college baseball, it becomes a lot more explainable. But. If you'd gone back, because how was this team built? It was built on, on pitching, on defense, on getting guys on base, moving guys around, hitting gaps, things like that. And you, you go back and look at it. I think before the season, the feeling I got is that they felt like their top three arms, probably in this order, were Holton, Owen, And Dukanich, and I think they felt like Owen was the most talented guy they had. Uh, And certainly you saw that when he was healthy and it worked. And I I don't know if he was healthy or not, or rusty, or what the deal was on Saturday night, but it certainly wasn't the Hunter Owen that was peak Hunter Owen when we saw him this year. And and Dukanich, you almost don't consider him a loss because he, he barely played. And when he did play, it wasn't great, but if you saw him in fall it looked like they had something there. So if you say you're going to take away maybe your best three pitchers, I mean, r- frankly, that the answer was Futrell was in that group. And putting Ducanich as one of their top three was projecting. But that's what you do when you got a first-round arm sometimes. But anyway, however you want to slice it, they were without two of their top four arms. Um, I mean, I guess you could say Maldonado would be in there too um, if you want to go to the bullpen. But they were without a key part of their foundation – one of their guys, you Owen, know, they, they sort of had to pitch in that spot. And for whatever reason, it didn't go well. And then Bradfield was going to be a big part of it, too, just getting him on. I mean, you would have thought he would have stolen maybe 60 bases this year. I don't know what he ended up at. I don't even know if he got to 30. And finally last night... Corbin and Bradfield admitted kind of what I'd suspected and said all year. He just did not look like the same guy to me. There, there must have been Chip a dozen ground balls that I thought he would have beaten out this year uh, with last year's Bradfield or the Bradfield the year before. And with him not being the same guy, I mean, my, my goodness, the, the whole foundation of what they wanted to do gets taken off the table in a lot of ways, and they still won 42 games with that.
0: Yeah, you look and see what, what Bradfield – did from when he was what he hit when he was a freshman compared to what he ended up this year, and it's you know Bradfield hit three thirty as a freshman and he hit two eighty as a junior. Um, you know what is that an indictment of? Is that the is that, um, a kid? Who's I, I'm I'm his? just
1: going to say and I know that they have Baxter's been criticized to death and I think some of it's probably deserved, but I don't blame him from Bradfield. Brad part of Bradfield's skill set is just beating out. Grounders. Everybody talks about the batting average. Well, how many of his hits the last few years have been on routine ground balls or choppers that he just didn't beat out this year, or bunts that you know he could have beaten out? He he wasn't bunting as much. It seemed like to me. And like even if you play him right, you got to make a play perfectly to get him. I, I saw him thrown out at first so many times this year on balls he would have beaten out in any other year. to, to me, Bradfield is a different issue from all the other hitting stuff.
0: Yeah, well there's there's no way that your leadoff guy, your main stolen base guy, never gets on base like happened over the weekend. And in and, and that's what happened. Um you know, he either had some strikeouts or or fly balls to left field, he took the other way, and it was the same swing every time, it seems like this weekend. He didn't I don't think he hit he had one chopper yesterday that he didn't beat out. It was close, but he was out. Um so yeah, I mean, I, I I I hate it for Enrique Bradfield. I I, I love the way he talked yesterday. His demeanor. Um, he is going to have a professional career. Uh, I think he's um, he's going to need to get stronger, um, and he, he's going to have to hit some more line drive and, and change the approach a little bit of the hitting. Um, so I'm not saying that he got exposed by any means, but I, I, I think I hated for him because I think he lost some draft capital. Um, I think you would probably agree over the last month and a half um, to where uh, they were talking about. I, I,
1: I don't know. I mean, if, if you. To, to me, if you factor in the fact that he was not 100 percent healthy and you say, well, can he get that back? Then I don't know that it changes much, but maybe it does.
0: Yeah, I just I kind of got the impression that um, he was just trying to muscle ball a little bit and be a power guy, and, and that's not his game, just as he mentioned. I'm just repeating what you said. I, yeah, yeah. Uh, as far as bunning and, and slashing the ball and driving the ball up the middle, I just think it kind of changed a little bit. Um, I think they had a bunch of guys up there who were, um, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, without a doubt, later on as it went i mean laniv was trying to hit the ball out of the park every time he came up i mean i just felt like he was and and that's his style troy laniv is probably i think it's been it was said on one of the broadcasts that i've watched from the sec tournament probably had the most power of anybody when he gets when he makes contact on this team um when he gets it he gets it i mean that the ball's still going that he hit in the pine trees and hoover um. So, you know, and that's and I felt like those guys, and even to the fact of the last at bat, there was a lot of pressing uh, with Shrek and Laneev, and and even Brad you guys just trying to hit the ball out of the park instead of, you know, you can't. I've said this a couple times this year. You can't steal first base. You got to get on first base. And I think Corbin said that in some of his discussions. He said, you know, it's quit trying to hit the big ball. Try trying to hit the ball off the fence you know, it line up singles, get on first base with a walk, get to first base, and the next guy get to first base and get to first base and try to um to where you're you're and then and then you have to have the guy who can capitalize and drive the ball off the fence or or give you the double or triple. And um I just felt like the the couple of those guys last night were pressing trying to do too much and get them, you know, it's like we're it's a two one game and you're just I'm going to tie this thing up with a big swing and their swings got real long and they were loopy. And that's what happens um, to contribute to a lot of fly ball outs that were short of the track or fly balls that down the line that just died and were caught by their outfielders. Yeah, I thought
1: Austin, Vastine and Laneeve this weekend, every swing was from the heels. And if you want to start where I think criticism of, of the hitting coach is fair, that's one place I would start. Their approach in the ninth inning yesterday was just – it was the encapsulation of everything that's frustrated everybody all year. You know, Shrek watches two strikes go by on his at-bat, then just kind of flings the bat and hits a weak pop-up. Nolan gets to 3-0 and – and then, I believe it was, and then swings at two sliders uh, for his last two that I don't think he would have hit if his bat were six inches longer. And after the first one, you had to know what was coming on the second. If he takes either one of those, he walks, and maybe we're having a different conversation today. But And then Maldonado just rolled one over. You know, he came up the night before, hit a home run on a big spot. It's hard to criticize him, but... I just thought those two at-bats out of two seniors were sort of the poster child along with what I said about those other three guys for every issue that everybody had with the hitting, and and, and I don't think in that case that was unfair.
0: Yeah, and, and you mentioned, Chris, what this team was built on, and what they were built to be. Um, you mentioned the those arms that, if you, in a healthy situation, would be maybe good enough to get you to a super regional and beyond. If the, all those guys are healthy, if you got a healthy Ducanich, if you if you got a healthy, you know, Holton, and all those situations. And you, but the problem is in today's world, you, and especially Vanderbilt, when the head coach feels the way he does, and molds a team the way he does and wants to structure it in a way that, uh, we, that is kind of the antithesis of what he believes in. Um, I haven't read the article that about, uh, Maggie Corbin and the athletic, but there were some interesting comments from her about, um, their philosophy, uh, that were maybe were admitted. I don't know if you've read it or not. It's pretty interesting. Um, doesn't surprise me one bit. It's, and it's about the portal and paying players and, the NIL and all those things. But when you're trying to build a roster, I mean, let's face it. They went after Skeens. They didn't get him. He was on campus. I think for a visit, if I think you and I talked about that, um, you know, if they get a, a Skeens, if they get a one or two guys, you know, they get Shrek who ends up being almost, you know, for average, he hit three Oh six Maldonado just above him. But if you get a Skeens. And and you swing and miss and and you don't get that, you know, that power pitcher number to add to your stable. You just don't know in today's. I mean, it's the free agency that's been created and who you go after. And then, you know, I'm sure they've got in their minds a board or on a piece of paper of some guys, some needs that they might have. And when you don't get them all and you're trying to replace, which is against really your philosophy, so you really don't want to do it anyway. But, um, you know, how much it changes. And so what you're left is, is when the dust settles of who comes back from transferring. And, you know, you look at what Danya Evans did yesterday for Charlotte in their elimination game. And, you know, that guy went on. I don't know what kind of year he had, but he looked pretty impressive. He had a great breaking ball in that game. So I guess my point is it's just it's so hard. You There's levels of building a roster and you don't really know till they all get there in August till after the draft. After the portal settles, you get guys in the portal and then you got to see, you know, this, what this composition of this team is. I've said before and ad nauseum and maybe to the annoyment of some people who listen to this, this team was roster wise. And as far as who played a shorter roster than I've seen in years, and I've said that before, as far as reserve players who got quality at bats, um, other than the regulars now, it looks like there were six guys you got at bats. One of them got you know played in five games and two at bats. I'm not even to count him. So uh, he's really five. and And um, what's that going to cause in the future? what is it What is it going to look like when the when everything settles and you got people moving on or people coming in, is that going to be a situation that's going to hurt this team development wise as far as who they bring in? who's coming back and the experience of what you have next year. I mean, you're going to have a Davis Diaz. He's got two years under his belt. You're going to have a situation where you're going to have RJ Austin, who is at second base, but is he really a second baseman? Um, so we'll probably have another one of these to get it as, as far as the 2023, team. but there's some question marks, but one thing, again, I think if there's another bullet point, I said a three earlier, the definition of this team, I'm going to add a fourth and that would be, how this team had this sh- a very short leash on the offensive side and position players are playing compared to years past when they maybe used 9 10 11 guys in reserve and got some at-bats and experience and this year's team just didn't do that
1: this season of the vandy sports podcast has been made possible by my friend dr jody jones dds When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. Just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. What people love about Jody's office is the ambiance. It's relaxing. It's friendly. Go see Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of this podcast, because without it, this season would not be possible. A couple things here. I think they were a little more aggressive in the portal, and I've got to be careful and omit a few things here in this statement. Anyway, I think they were a little more aggressive in the portal last year. No, they're they're not going to target twenty guys, but they will find some guys that they like that they think fit. Then maybe was reflective of what landed on their roster. I'll say right now, I think that if it's not the NIL era, I think they probably have Paul Skeens on their team. Probably, and sure, this is, sure. And this is and this is a very different conversation. We were not we're not having an elimination conversation this morning. Uh, if that's the case so there's that and and I think maybe the takeaway from that and again maybe we just do a whole other podcast I think that's probably a good idea looking forward to next year because we still got a lot to wrap up on this one but I think if you want to look for some encouragement there's this perception that he's just completely anti-portal I don't think that's the case uh, I I I mean I think he has to know they're going to have to add a key player or two, and I expect they will. I mean Vanderbilt is still an attractive destination. I, I know this is not 2019 Vanderbilt again, but it's not. You know, it, it, it's also not Missouri. So there's that. Um, number two, and I've I've completely forgotten where we were going. What was the other topic that you had just? spoken about because you had something else there that i was going to respond to
0: (laughs) we're just kind of all over the place i there's look there's there's a lot there's a lot to unpack
1: oh i know what it was the the athletic article okay i think if if you're making a list of things to be concerned about that would be one a one b one c what I read of Maggie Corbin's comments in The Athletic, and I haven't read the article. I just saw what was out on Twitter. I've got an athletic sub. I just haven't time, had time to go and read that yet. But just the screenshots out there were very consistent with what I've been hearing privately for about a year. No, look, I don't think Tim Corbin is just going to go leave Vanderbilt at the time they just threw at all those stadium plans a week ago. That that doesn't make any sense. He didn't look to me like a guy that was you know going to be – filing a resignation letter this offseason but you know and i I don't think he's also going to leave before they've got that thing built and i was being out of town when are they going to complete the baseball stuff
0: don't know Uh, that that's a big question um that was asked to me a couple times this weekend by some people in, in the wanting to know and i and i didn't have the answer um you know, you want hey, Maybe maybe,
1: maybe you yeah. want that completed for twenty twenty five now and not twenty twenty four, in light of what he said. Sure. I don't know. I just don't think right. he's going to I think that was a big negotiation point for him. For I sure. think he used for Clemson sure. to get a lot of that. I I've, I've been saying that for a long time. Asked somebody who's pretty close to it or or has been close to it, at least this weekend. I said, is my read on that right? And the answer I got indicated that it was. So I don't think he's going to just have all this stuff built, negotiate for it, and walk away. Now, Tim gets frustrated, and you could see that last night. Like, when he pounded the table, I said, that's a new one. I've seen Tim get frustrated with a lot of things. I've never seen him beat an object in the middle of an interview. So I I think you've probably got, you know, another three years minimum realistically. Who knows? But that that has been the thing that's been lingering in the background now for a year or two, and his wife just went out and verbalized it publicly.
0: Yeah, and I I thought that um, when the Vandy United campaign came out and all the drawings and the football building and the basketball, um, you know, uh, practice facility and the tennis courts being moved and the indoor, and there was one ingredient always missing, and it was baseball. Now, to an outsider, you might say, and and someone who's maybe not paying attention closely, you might say to yourself, "Well, you know, baseball's got the new facility down the left field line, and they just got new turf and and they've got you know they've they've done some amenities, and you know, they're pro- they're probably okay. But what you don't realize in today's world when you've got people coming out and chasing your coach and and when you talk about in years past the ones we know about that, Auburn tried to take your coach. LSU tried to take your coach. Oregon, very, uh, very much of a a Trojan horse approach when they invited Tim out there to be a consultant to start their baseball program years ago, with from what I'm told, the full intention of just using him to to get him to be the coach. It was one of those like, we really want you to, we really respect you as a coach all that you've done in the game, can you help us? Can you come out here to Oregon and help us, you know, get a committee going and tell us what we really need with the full intention probably of having Tim Corbin be their coach. He turned them down. You had Clemson wanting your coach. So he's been through the gamut and what else is there for him? You know, really when it comes down to it, he's been here. I told somebody at the game yesterday, if Tim Corbin left tomorrow – to be um a commissioner of a conference or if he left left even to be the head coach and I'm just I'm not saying this I'm just going to throw this out there not that he would I'm just making an example if he went went to be the head coach at Alabama if Alabama some booster said they were going to do that or any other school i i everyone would be shocked but there's still going to be a statue of tim corbin outside the stadium one day, no matter how much everybody be upset about it. I mean, he's, he's done his, he's made his mark. That's his program. He will always be associated with Vanderbilt baseball. But my point is about when the Vandy United came and you, you, when you have a program, that's your bell cow and it's not the one that makes you the most money, but it's the one that's recognizable all the time, which is baseball right now. Then anywhere you go, if you got a Vandy boys t-shirt and you were at the airport, people know what that is. And that's, that's the design, the, the thing that stands out the most when you see that it's become a brand and that brand, you got to take care of your brand and you got to take care of the bell cow, even though it's not going to be the one that's going to make you the most money. And that was one thing that when I saw it, I was like, well, you know, is what's in there for baseball. And then next thing you know, some guy comes chasing after your coach and then you backtrack and I think Tim probably cemented that relationship and making, you know, we we need to get going here and and make our program facilities and get some amenities. And so it was a, a a good move on his part. Um, and so that's when you saw the expansion happen. And next thing you know, they're you always heard in the back, you know, well we're drawing something up for baseball. Well, that happened and. The facility improvements are definitely, it will be unique. It will be, no, nothing will be like it in, in America, I don't think. it's. It'll be compact, different seating, different uh, angles, and 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 very much, I, I compared it very much what the football stadium is going to sort of be like in the end zone areas. A lot of lounge areas, a lot of um, open sight lines, open air, um, unique in the sense that they're different. If it has to be like that, if you can't move the baseball field over near the parking lots, the, uh, medical center parking lots, which a lot of people for years wanted to do, if you're stuck with it being where it's going to be, I think what they've drawn up is, is very nice and is the best you can hope for. And same with football. I think they've taken that concept of, you know, we're going to be us and we're not going to be like a cookie cutter and be like everybody else. And so Getting to my point, I just think that uh, I don't think that that's the case. You got to worry about him going anywhere, but I'm glad he got taken care of. He's going to get that in his mind to keep up with everything, and everybody else, and and um, just try to survive and hope there's some legislation to quiet down this open free agency uh, that's going on because it is different. And I, I want to read the yeah. article that, about Maggie, but um, there's some there's just some different times we're in today.
1: And you left out Mississippi State as a program that chased Oh, yeah, too. that's right. It's so been, yeah. it's been a bit. I forgot but, about that. And, pro- I'm sure, right. and I'm sure there would have been, you know, unless you oh, twice. I'm sure. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and there's probably some that we never knew about. I'm, I'm sure there had to be. But yeah, I mean, it, I don't think if, if he leaves Vanderbilt, he's not going to be to take another job. I don't think it's going to be, I guess, if you want to take any consolation, it's that just the game is going to chase him out if it happens. Sure. Yeah, and I don't and blame uh, him. And and here's here's another thing. I'm, I'm gonna I may leave some for a podcast with Luke. But here's the thing: people have, and I've seen this on our board. Well, they've got to get with it, and they've got to recruit this with hitters and their approach with athletes. All this stuff doesn't work, and blah blah blah. People are kind of making assumptions that the game is going to stay the way it is forever, and that just doesn't happen. I mean, you go back to. What was it twenty ten and the the hot bad era? People now say it's the baseballs. it's something, and you can easily change the variables well, twenty fourteen you couldn't hit a ball out for anything. I mean Aaron judge would would have problems hitting the ball out that's That's a little bit of an exaggeration, but maybe not too much and so everybody is sort of assuming that the conditions under which baseball exists right now are going to perpetuate forever if there's been one given with baseball and especially college baseball it's it stuff changes i mean we we may be here two years from now talking about you know a, a team leading the country with 60 home runs or something like that they they could the nca and major league baseball is this way too it seems like there's always an overcorrection and 2014 or whatever year they changed the balls that was an overcorrection but people are operating on the assumption but it's going to be power hitters and launch angles forever. Oh, who knows? They may change the balls next year, and it got a lot of publicity from some of those D1 guys in the SEC tournament. If the NCAA is anything, it's reactionary. Those guys have the biggest platform in the sport. So I wouldn't just assume that the conditions that that persist that don't really favor them right now are going to go on forever.
0: No, and and in today's era of power pitching where – you're not even get. I mean, if you're trying to get recruited, Chris, in today's world as a pitcher, and you don't throw ninety, then you can just. It, it's yeah. over. It seems like. I mean, you. you I glance up at the scoreboard at the radar gun of the other pitchers and the other teams, and and consistently you got guys throwing in the low nineties. It's just an average. It's just a normal thing now. And so, the if you game don't
1: throw the, low nineties, what's wrong with you?
0: Absolutely, and so you're you're seeing. More and more of that. How the game's becoming a power pitching thing, and as it's becoming a power pitching thing, it's become a Tommy John thing, and guys having an elbow issues, and we've talked about that too. So the, the game has really become a, um, you know, that that ball off the, the one and that got um, R.J. Austin um, yesterday at second base on that double play. It's a it's a ball he should have had, but I think the exit speed was one hundred eight, one ten. Um I mean, it was it was not a tapper to smoked. second base it was it was absolutely smoked, so you know it's just it's it's um i think this you know Corbin's done a good job of adapting in the past, um but sometimes you wonder if you can just if if uh, I still think there's power pitchers that want to pitch for this staff and for Brownie and for this team and for this program um it's just, you know, look at what UT – if you look and analyze it in the portal what these guys did for these other teams and the impact that they had, um, you know, UT gets a couple hits yesterday from guys who who they picked up. You know, they got the shortstop from Kansas. Um, UT added Dolander and Denton, Al- from the guy from Alabama, hit the go- game-winning Christian homer Merit. against Clemson. Yeah. yeah, I mean, the the starter from Charlotte that they got – um, the shortstop from Kansas LSU added, you know, Skeens and white and, you know, and, and it's, it's just a, I, I getting back to the article just briefly though, it it is Vanderbilt's doing it differently now than everybody else. And they're just kind of sitting there and you look at what Arkansas does and Van Horn's got 12, 13 junior college players. There's not a junior college player on the Vanderbilt roster, no. not one. And, and so it's just the people are building it differently, and um, it's, um, it remains to be seen how they're going to adapt if they're going to. All
1: right, here's something that I have not heard discussed, I don't think at all, on my board or, or seen it anywhere. Maybe it's been mentioned, but I'm going to give you a number. You tell me if you can guess the significance. It's the number four, and it's not Tim Corbin's jersey number.
2: Uh, ah, yeah, you got me.
0: It could be a bunch of different stuff. What is it? The number That four. is the
1: number of runs by which they've lost their last four NCAA tournament games. All four okay. games have been one-run games. Yeah. So, like, it's it's not been like they're, I mean, a break here or there, and this is probably a little bit different conversation, but that's how it goes. But that also goes to margin of error. I mean, you know, there, there are alternatives to losing a, a game by one run, and, and one of them is, you know, beating teams by five so in like in a one-run loss you still got to score two more runs to win so really you know you have to leverage that into more but the, the, the point being it's not like they're getting run off the field in these last two regionals either now granted this year I thought it set up really well for them I thought they got about as good a draw as they could have asked for it just didn't happen
0: yeah, people want to talk about all they want. You know, they had three conference champion tournament champions in there. And, you know, but I, I agree with you. I, I don't think the problem was um, the draw they got for this particular region. I, I just think that um, for one reason, or for whatever reason, as he mentioned in the press conference last night, for whatever reason, he, I think his quote was, we didn't, we couldn't hit the ball tonight. And, and um, those are, um, I don't know if they were tight. I don't know if they were pressing. I don't know if they just emotionally spent. But, um, yeah, that's, that's a telling stat there. It's a, You're right. The pitching was there. The pitching was good enough this weekend. It definitely wasn't the issue. Um,
2: it was on the bad side.
1: All right. Are you ready for the mailbag? Sure. Let's hear it. The mailbag is presented by Sutherland and Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at number 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. First one from Papa Hick 4VU is the plethora of injured pitchers over the past two seasons calls for reevaluating their train—excuse me, their training or regimen.
0: Well, I know that uh, you know Brownie and his and his crew that, that they work with in the pitching lab over there. I mean, they they have as as you know formulated a plan for arm care that's second to none. Um, I, I don't think um, you know, just ask Ole Miss what their situation is. Ask you know all these teams that are having the Tommy John injuries across the country. It's
1: you. Um,
0: yeah, it, it's it's multiple. Everybody, everybody's,
1: I think everybody's in that boat other than maybe Tennessee. Tennessee's like the only SEC pitching staff I can think of. And, and maybe Florida, although Florida may have had a guy out. It, it, it seems like everybody's got two, three, four arms out in the league other than maybe a couple of teams. Tennessee somehow – I don't think Tennessee had a pitching injury all year, but that puts the Vols in the extreme minority.
0: Well, Dukanich isn't, it wasn't a pitch, in, an arm issue. It was a hamstring, right. so you can throw him right. out. And then um, whatever Holton issues, the forearm, elbow, um, that type of deal. And I, it'll be interesting to see what they plan on doing with him this summer, if he's going to play or not, or, or just shelve him um, coming up for his junior year. Um, and he really didn't know sort of what's what the Hunter-Owen situation is in detail. Um so you, you're not real positive about him. So it um, there was I think it was about par for the course. I think it what it, what it gets to is, I, in my opinion, I'm talking to people mm-hmm. who perform these surgeries, the human elbow and the forearm are not inclined at an early age that these kids are doing it. Um, let me emphasize the statement at the early age, underlined, that these kids are throwing this hard. On a consistent basis, the human elbow and the forearm cannot take the torque of throwing 93, 4, 5, 6 miles an hour at this age consistently and not have injury. I, I just don't think the elbow is meant to do that at, at that age until you're fully developed and strengthened. And so the more that continues, um, you're not going to keep a kid in high school from from doing all he can to throw 90 because the bar is that you got to throw 90 to get recruited um, to a major college program and it's celebrated. And um, so what do you want me to do? You want me to throw 90, 92 so I can get recruited and then I do it and I don't, for whatever reason, I'm not developed enough. And so I hurt my arm and I have to have Tommy John and I'm out and I can't pitch. Um, I think you'll see Kumar rocker if he's, if he mentally stays with it and, does it, he'll have his surgery and it's going to be a long haul back, but he might be throwing 97, 98 here and, 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 you know, 16 months when he comes back and maybe have a a very good major league career. Um, but that surgery is just seen such as the cop out. It's almost like a maintenance thing that, you know, I'm just going to have Tommy John and get it over with. And I mean, Walker Bueller's now had it twice. Yep. Is that true? I think he had it after he got, yeah. So, um, And it's become such a commonplace surgery and a a rehabilitative process coming out of it that these kids are are coming back even stronger. So long answer, but I I really don't think and have it identified without being inside that locker room what they're doing. But I can tell you they're versed enough and and as far as their arm care program and doing long toss and doing heavy balls and taking days off and running and all the things you need to do. everything I've been told is it's not that it's uh, being debilitating towards any of their arms and their arm care.
1: Well, it has felt to me like they suffered fewer pitching injuries than most until the last two or three years.
0: Right. Right. And
1: so maybe this is just a a small sample. I mean, look, Doolin goodness. They've, they've not pitched him in three years. They've tried to to get that right. I'm I'm guessing that's never going to happen. I mean, he's, I'm sure he's got another year next year if he wants it. Um, you know, at, at that point, do you come back? I don't I don't have any information there, and I'm, I'm not pretending to. Laboke, they could have pitched him at the end of last year, you know, 12 months after surgery or 14 or whatever. They chose not to. They handled him with care. The one thing that I do second-guess a little bit is that I had heard from the beginning they were going to keep Holton out two starts. I guess he talked his way back into pitching for that South Carolina series That was a disaster in that appearance, and he did have one good game in Knoxville, but that was the last good game he threw all year. That's one that I wonder, maybe it doesn't make a difference, but maybe if they had to go back and do that over, and he doesn't throw against South Carolina, who knows, maybe he's pitching this weekend and it's different. But I don't feel like that they have, at least I don't see the evidence that they have abused arms or anything like that. No, the the one that you could argue is Rocker. Yeah, you know, they threw him a lot of pitches across his career, and they, they really were doing the same with Leiter. They did give him a rest. I mean, that's been kind of a criticism over them in the years that they would endure guys for long pitch counts, but really it had never materialized into injuries until just the last couple of years, Chip.
2: Yeah, agree with you. Question uh, of whether Rocker lighter in South Carolina some criticism um championship game state there was I'm sure all and nobody thinks it's either they're gonna John or they're gonna or they want to you know lot of kids and they're
0: discouraging them uh not to have that attitude i think that's going a lot going on a lot more these days than we know i'm I'm not sure it's going on from our i I would predict probably within the vanderbilt pitching staff there's a few guys that's don't have any personal knowledge i have some hints from some people that it's going on um being a little more careful and then uh about the protecting these guys, being maybe overprotective. But and when you're seeing it and you're looking around and you're seeing it happen so much, it does cause some alarm if you if that's going to be something that's going to be your livelihood uh, for years to come, at least you're hoping to.
1: Apologies to the audience. Uh, your audio was a little choppy there for okay. a, a few seconds. That's probably my fault. I'm trying to scream. Okay. <laughs> scream stream Florida-Texas Tech while I'm doing this, uh, which is probably pushing it a bit. So I've, <laughs> okay. I've turned that off now. So if, okay. if anything big happens, I'm, I'm just going to miss it there. But all right, next question would be, and you're going to love this one, Dorfan, what are the odds that a change is made among the assistants in the off season, especially considering our inconsistent offensive approach and performance week to week? And the season results, uh, losing in Oregon State Regional, losing in our own regional in three games with only four hits and one run against a Xavier pitcher with a 4.48 ERA and a one twenty-five whip. To put a finer point on it, what has Mike Baxter done to deserve to keep his job? How long does he get to rest on 2019? Which was a team he was only around for one year. Um, I will – put that with this one and we'll hit them both at once. Go Doors 94. A lot of posters on this board are angry with the hitting coach. Is there any evidence to support this position and what is your view?
2: Well,
0: it, it's very difficult when you we have a, a successful program with all the history that, this, that Tim Corbin has um, and you hire someone who is a former player in the program then the criticism becomes a little more um when, when it does happen, it, it makes it uncomfortable for everybody in the room. Um and that's no different in this situation. And I mean let's just call it what it is. You've got one of your own and a guy you coached. It's now I'm not saying that other places that one person's bigger than the program and if you got to make a switch you got to. Um and if I had a, a um any inside information about that, I don't um it just makes it difficult with a person who's very loyal. When you look at the, the you know, David Macias
2: and those guys, you know,
0: she's maybe shy away from making hires of guys that they've coached because if you do have to have part ways, it 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 um it ruins the relationship or could ruin the relationship. Um, you know, those guys are really really tight. I know that for a fact. Uh, I think the circles are really really close over there, um, amongst that coaching staff and, and, um, not a lot of coaching staffs are like that. I think some pretend they are, um, but it, 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 clouds it with, um, I think the relationship part clouds it. Um, will, I think, uh, there'll be just some discussions. I think they have discussions all the time. You got to wonder if one day too, and I'm just thinking outside the circle is, does, does, uh, Brownie take a job somewhere to be a head coach, or is he just content being where he is? But I think I'm not answering the question that was asked, and I apologize for that. I, I, I'm just going to give a big fat I don't know uh, as far as whether it will happen. Surely the numbers are down. Um, I mentioned the Enrique Bradfield batting three twenty as a freshman, and he ended up uh, this season looking at it, um, what was he, two two seventy nine? Uh, so that's a drop from freshman year to junior, you know, junior year. Um, but uh, you know, I I think he's a loyalist. I think Tim Corbin's a loyalist to his staff and has been. Um, you know, you have a wildly successful coach who who I think in coaching circles with Travis Jewett, who's now at, at Southern Cal, um, who lost his job at at Tulane and ended up being now the hitting instructor. I think this team, if I'm not mistaken, did Baxter take over from Jewett. Chris, are you aware of that? Ah, uh, no. They had
1: the in between guy uh, with those, with the Yankees, for, right? And that for a year work out or two, well. and he cut bait on him after was it one year or two?
0: One year, it was one year. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So, um, I don't know if you have any way any weight on that, Chris. It's tough when you're talking about somebody's livelihood. Um, and you know, um, people can hate me for this and say you ought to get somebody else on the podcast. I'm a former player. I don't like talking about the livelihoods of former players. I have consider myself, you know, I'm close to those people over there. Uh, so, um, you know, maybe somebody like Luke could could give their two cents. I, I realize I do. I will say this: they need to change their philosophy um, in some categories with some guys and some approaches that I thought that they'd gotten rectified in that, especially the first part of the year, and maybe bad pitching got a hold of it when you're playing Mississippi State. Ole Miss, Georgia, Missouri, but I felt like that it kind of went back to the way it was in some parts of the uh, season yes, we talked yeah. about in years past. So I'll let you maybe yeah, take a did. stab on it, but um, it's it's a tough call. And 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 we're talking about 24 hours after the season. I think we maybe some people don't want to take any more time and say you know they need to make a change now. Um, but I think this needs to kind of dust needs to settle a little bit and then and take a look at it.
1: Yeah, and that's a hard one for me to answer to. I don't really have any info on that one way or the other. Not that I've been really looking or, or digging. I've had plenty on my plate. Other than that, and, and I will admit I'm I'm biased here. I've known Mike since he played here. What's it been eighteen years ago now? I've always really liked Mike and respected Mike. Um Yeah, the the next crossword I I have with Mike will will be the first. I, I think a lot of him making a change there. And I I would get why people want it and even maybe why he would, if he did it, but it is the complete antithesis of how he's built his whole program. If he does.
0: Yeah. And, and people wonder out loud, they say, well, what does, I've I've seen even some questions on your board when I'm kind of strolling around and asking, what does a hitting coach actually do? What, 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 goes into being a hitting coach well you you can't
1: go ahead sorry
0: no but well there's different i mean there's mentally where your approach of how you're how you're getting guys from thinking and guessing and you can go through that in a classroom setting of you know when your approach of this guy is throwing these pitches then um and breaking down opposing pitching (laughs) but my son, for example, my youngest son, is taking some hitting instructions from a, from a guy who's from California, and he's in his mid-20s, and we go out to his cage, and we have yet to hit live pitching, and my son's been playing a couple years, and he's a decent little player, but every bit of the, the instruction, when we go in there, there's about 15 minutes of fielding. The rest of the 45 minutes is on a tee, and he's using various stances and different drills and he's got a PVC pipe that he uses a a big long PVC pipe that he sticks on kind of the top of my kid's head. So he won't move his head in a certain direction and you need to bend your leg at this angle and you need to, and it, it is, it is almost, it's gotten to the point of it's a golf instruction, you know, I mean, there's some technical things and, and don't think that that doesn't go on with video and and analyzing uh, that ad nauseum and being in a cage and using off a tee, these guys 23, 22 years old, they're hitting off tees. So it's very intricate and it's very um, – those guys know what they're doing, but sometimes translating and hearing a different voice for some programs is is more beneficial, but – what I think more than you know, I, I see some guys, again, what I said yesterday, guys pulling off the ball, trying to get hit the, hit the big run, home run, not trying to get on. Uh, I thought against the Oregon, I didn't know why it's in certain which is uh, This is the mentality thing. Oregon game, late in the game, why we weren't sometimes taken. I don't think we were taken to get a strike or sometimes in some instances taken, you get two strikes. You got to get on base in that situation. You get base runners. Those little things also, the mental part of the hitting hitting coaching of what goes under that. It's much more than just sitting over there and sitting behind the cage when a guy's hitting going, Yeah, you need to do this, your your hands are this and just letting them hit. It's much more than that. It's way more intricate these days what these instructors are doing.
1: Last one from the Admiral VU. Do you have any way too early predictions for the twenty twenty three, twenty four baseball season?
0: In years past, it would be easier to do because you weren't dealing with the portal. But you're not dealing with the portal as far as what your guys are going to do, and what who you're going to bring in, if, if who you're going to lose, and who you're going to bring in. Um, so you know, I mean, what positions those guys are going to play? Are they going to take? Are they going to take in the situation? You know, who's going to play center field? You know, it. it and then <laughs> I've mentioned three things that go into that talking about the twenty twenty three twenty four season. How many guys are you going to get into campus? The kid from uh, Max, uh, the kid from Indianapolis, which is, he's not coming, I don't think. I mean, and so, you know, it's, it's all window dressing. You, you, I watched some video of that kid, and he's, he seems like he's very flamboyant. He's got the double crosses on his cheeks with the eye black and the kind of longer blonde hair, and he's kind of flamboyant. He'd be a fun player to see roaming the outfield at Vanderbilt. He's not going to come to Vanderbilt. And he's been signed with us for how long? Probably committed for a year and years. a half. And he's the best prospect in the state of Indiana that they've had in years. And
1: Might go one overall ahead of Skeens and Cruz, potentially. Right,
0: right, right. So, you know, I mean, it, we can sit here and that's a discussion if we have one of these in the fall or later in the summer once we see it. But it's too early to tell what this roster is going to look like. Um, you know, a guy like uh, Cal Hewitt. Calvin Hewitt, uh, I, I kind of expected he would pinch hit a few times this weekend, more than he did, um, especially against the lefties that came in. But, you know, does he sit there and go, you know, uh, um, what's it going to look like for me next year? I'm talking about portal wise. I'm not trying to shove him in the portal, but you, you, you wonder if he's going to be the guy that's going to stick around or in today's world that we're in, uh, is he going to do that? He's going to move around and go to another place where he can start, or is he going to be like a Troy Eve and stay here for four years? Um, so you just don't know. Um, you don't know what the roster composition is. And I'd be 100% guessing until we know who's going to show up on campus and who the, who the roster is going to be. I think arm wise, we're going to be fine, but we got to have some guys in there I think we have a deep need at catcher. Um, I think Espinall is a really good catcher, but can he hit sec breaking balls? And, and that's, I think going to be his deal. So, you know, do you do like everybody else and go get a catcher power hitting catcher go get a power hitting first baseman go get you somebody who can get balls in the out in the outfield um those seem to be the immediate needs but number one will they do it number two can they get them can they get them in school and number three in 2023 can you pay them can you yeah. get them in an il deal and and that's what the kids are looking for
1: feels to me like hewitt would- stands to benefit to come back. I don't know why he wouldn't have an edge up on a starting outfield spot.
2: Yeah, I, I really like
0: the way the kid plays um, and hits and he's confident. And um, So I, I hope he does. I really like him as a player.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that had he and, and Polk parked, parked on the bench most of the weekend. I mean, you could... If, if they don't lose a key player to, or of the portal, I think they're going to be in pretty good shape. I think so. If the if yeah. the pitching is healthy, because I think you could you could argue they could return a lineup of six, seven, eight guys who played a lot. And I know they're not; these guys aren't superstars. But you never know who takes the the next jump. I think Fastine's got a lot of potential. Austin certainly got a lot of potential. I don't think it's as bleak as a lot of people left last night thinking it was unless again it boils down to pitcher health and, and maybe you lose a starter or two to the portal but if you keep your core guys intact which for the most part they've done a decent job of doing and I get the feeling that some of the guys they've lost the last few years and last year in particular and and it's plural that they were were fine with losing from a chemistry standpoint it, it feels to me like they're going to be okay but we'll see
0: yeah I think Bastons can be a pretty good player. I think he already is a pretty good player. I mean, he hit two eighty seven. I think he can go get the ball. You saw his range a lot this year, and I think he he can be a guy who can um you know, if he hits fifteen, twenty points higher next year and be consistent like he is in the field, I think he he ended up having a nice little year,
1: yeah, I mean, it feels a little bit like twenty eighteen did when that season ended. That they're going to be in the discussion for for big things next year in preseason, but the the big difference, of course, is NIL and the portal and, and that's that's a whole different conversation. I feel like I feel like same situation two, three years ago, this would be very easy to size up if you know the health of guys.
0: Sure, you just got to keep the pitchers that you have away from the operating table. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And that's going to be a key. Um, just it'll be interesting to see how Carter Holden, what they end up doing with him, uh, this summer. Um, you wonder if they're going to pitch him somewhere in the Cape or wherever. Or they're just going to pitch him limited and shut him down and, and maybe pitch him a certain number of innings and, um, but you might not know that until later on because the word I was hearing was he maybe, maybe, maybe could have pitched in Omaha if they got there. It was doubtful. Um, and um, even at that, and so you just, I'm, I'm sure they have a plan or they will have a plan for that um, going forward.
1: Yeah, I would just consider resting him the rest of the summer, honestly.
0: Yeah, you know, I think he sat out all fall. He had a pretty busy season last year with the USA team. Um, but, you know, look at his numbers. He threw 50 innings, which is wasn't tops on the team. Futrell had 83 that led the team. And he had 30 less innings than – 33 less innings than Futre, Futrell. And he had 14 less innings than Hunter Owen, who, had, who was second. So he was up there, but not the load that he had last year for sure. Yeah.
1: Parting thoughts, Chip.
0: Parting thoughts, uh, you know, it's um, taking heed of what uh, Tim Corbin said last uh, night. It's way too early, and it's probably, uh, I enjoy doing this, but to get my full view, probably way too early emotionally, 24 hours, less than 24 hours after they lose, to really give your thoughts on this. This team, up and down, inconsistent as far as their play. Uh, Sometimes it was brilliant. Um, and gutty. I think the want to was there. I think there was a tremendous amount of uh, grit um, for this team. Um, Who knows? We might 30 days from now when the dust settles, look at this and say this team maybe overachieved a little bit, won a Southeastern Conference tournament. Antagonists are going to say, well, the SEC tournament doesn't mean anything. Um, But nonetheless, they won five games in five days. They, They, um, you know, um, played well at times. But were they the Vanderbilt team that lost to Xavier, lost to the directional Arkansas team in February that I forget the name of? um, Were they the team that got sort of manhandled by Florida, um, got manhandled and bullied in Knoxville um, by those two teams, um, and that little downstretched two good teams, two really good teams that are still playing right now? So it's um, it's uh, incomplete right now in your mind and, until you things kind of settle, and that's what you got to do in sports. You got to sit there and say, well, you know, he mentioned last night there was no raw, you know, speech in the locker room, emotional thing because it's just it's too fresh. And those kids, kids today, you know, they they probably believe it or not. People often wonder. Someone asked me that. You, know, do you think Vanderbilt players watch, you know, get on Chris's board or listen to podcasts? I'm sure they do. Some of them might. There's enough of information out there available and different things, so they probably do. So they hear it. They know it. They know that they uh, didn't play well this weekend, and the pressures that are associated with that are warranted. Um, so um, I think we need to take a step back, and I know you'll be talking to Luke about some of the stuff, and it'll be good to get another perspective as what he thinks. He's been around Vanderbilt for a long, long time and see that, and then get together maybe around the draft and... And uh, after that settles and see kind of what a roster would look like once the portal stuff sifts out. But um, just an up-and-down uh, up and down year emotionally for fans. And uh, when your expectations are what this program has done for a long, long time, you're expected to be there playing, having things over with last night and looking forward to a super regional. But unfortunately, that didn't happen this time. And they'll uh, have to reconstruct and, and move forward.
1: Chip, I'm jumping into the closest thing I'll get to an off-season. You are jumping into your busy season. Tell people about that a little bit.
0: Sure. Our our firm, Frederick & Clark Realty, has been around for over 60 years here in the Nashville area. Residential real estate is our specialty. We've got over 180 agents that can help any buyers and sellers out there looking for a home to purchase or a home to sell. We are uh, sort of the antithesis out there as far as those commercials you hear of getting quick offers and 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 maximizing your profit. Well, in our theory against that, we believe in marketing your home in a way that you have competition out there for people wanting to buy your home. And we have enough experience with relationships with fellow realtors in the midstate area that we work with to maximize your profit by doing it a little different way than just flushing you out and getting your money quickly. We like to have the competition of marketing your home well, Throwing it out there with a market analysis that makes sense for you all the way around as far as uh, getting the right buyer in for your house. We can help with on the buy side with lenders and inspect, home inspectors. Anything you want to complete your purchase, we've got those expertise of these 180 agents. So you can give me a call at 615-327-4800. We've been around again for 60 years. Vanderbilt folks, Vanderbilt graduates affiliated with the firm, uh, Whit Clark, the Clark of Frederick and Clark. Vanderbilt graduate close to the baseball program, uh, family donated a baseball scholarship. My father and I, my late father and I, my brother, all Vanderbilt graduates. So if you are a Vanderbilt person and you're looking for someone to handle you with like needs and things that you care about, give us a call, look us up on the web at frederickandclark.com. We'd love to help you out in a, a help of buying or selling a home here in the mid-state area. Hey,
1: Chip, thanks a bunch. Appreciate your time. And like I said, we'll, uh, We'll do one or two of these again together in the off season As drafts happen and roster attrition happens and all that. And look forward to doing those. Thanks again for nope. your contributions this year. These were
0: great. Sure, Chris, we'll talk soon.
1: Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones, DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and my perfect net. If you're interested in sponsoring This podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70.